Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Tell you what, guys. Brent's not here right now, and that's his loss. He'll be here in a little bit. But until he gets here, you're like, yeah, I got to talk about the Ravens-Browns game, Jaguars offense, what's it going to be going in the future, yada, yada, yada. But around, I would probably say, 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, my phone was going off the hook. And it wouldn't stop ringing from text messages. People were calling me. Keep in mind, 1.30 is usually like my anime time. So I'm watching cartoons. I put the phone off to the side a little bit. But I'm just like, why is my phone going off so much? And it turns out that Giannis Adetokounmpo has signed a max deal with the Milwaukee Bucks now. Coots, cute, really cute. And I understand we're in Jacksonville, right? And people are wondering, why are talking about the Milwaukee Bucks to start the show off? Well, because Brent Martineau's not here right now, and I'm a giant Bucks fan. So here we are. Um, listen. We don't have to get too in-depth in it right now. We'll save that for a little bit later. Kuz can chime in and share his driving dish uh, podcast takes, if you will. I'm happy now because the focus shifts from the Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, Giannis, you going to sign? You going to L.A.? You going to go to Miami? You going to Toronto? Nope. Staying another solid four or five years, Kuz. I can, there, five years. There were so many zeros after that contract, it was hard to tell how long he stayed in Milwaukee. So five more years of Giannis. Quarter of a billion. Quarter of a billion. You know what? That's just pocket check. I mean, I'm not worried about the money, okay? I mean, if they asked me to pay taxes on Giannis Adetokounmpo's contract, I would have paid some taxes on it. I don't care. I'll pay for Lot J, and I'll pay for Giannis's contract as well. And now we can shift the focus from the Milwaukee Bucks, and we can talk about the real, the real task at hand, how trash the 76ers could be this season. So, Listen, the NBA, it's a never-ending news cycle, and I'm happy now that we can put Giannis out of the camp on where he's going behind us, move on um, like adults, and obviously cheer for Milwaukee because you're going to be a contender, I think, in the East. Kuz, any thoughts real quick before we get to some football topics? The Lakers are going to be loving this. Uh, Max Kellerman was talking about this in the uh, previous hour. Yep. Because the Bucks can't beat the Lakers the way they are, so they look at this and go, this is great. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So let's get into football. Though. I teased it a little bit here. We're talking best game last night, best game of the year last night between the Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland Browns. Brent? Uh, yeah, no doubt. It was an awesome game. No doubt. Yeah. I don't usually say that. I think a lot of people dramatize it, and but I'm like, that was a heck of a game. I yeah. mean, that was a fun game to watch. I mean, it seemed like every drive was a scoring drive, mm-hmm. so I'll take that. Cool. And, uh, you didn't expect it. I don't think that's a thing. I think you didn't expect 42-42 at one time. Yeah. So I think that's why... Uh, it was so good. I missed a, a little bit of it as we're, we're coming in here on the fly. I got a little Calais Campbell, so excited nice. about that nice. conversation. Um, but you even threw on, like, you did not plan to wear the Fear the Deer shirt. Oh, and I mean, obviously this was planned the whole time. I mean, when, when well, no, 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 it wasn't planned the whole like, like you didn't have oh, that on. No, no, obviously, in the day. no, no. The Bucks that signed Giannis. I'm wearing a Milwaukee shirt. At like one fifteen. Absolutely, man. I, and listen, if I didn't have to work, I almost called in sick because I was gonna scoop up my son from school early, and we're gonna get some ice cream, and we were gonna celebrate, man. Because now I don't have to explain to him how trades work and and transaction and contracts work. Because I was afraid of next year he's gonna be asking where did Giannis go. I'm like, ah, oh, he's in Miami or he's in Toronto. 
No longer have to have that conversation. Now we can get a new Giannis, uh, you know, that, that blue jersey that they're pushing out, whatever. That's kind of whatever, that Milwaukee jersey. But then, you know, we can buy the new Giannis's next year. So just a really big day for the, uh, you know, for the city of Milwaukee. Really big day for the Lane family in general. We're all pretty excited about it. Thanks for asking, Brent. ESPN 690 Milwaukee. Sure. We continue to expand from the desert to Hawaii to Milwaukee. Hey, Reason it's I, a trending I, topic. I did debate coming in today is because we have the, the second-year quarterback report card. Oh, yeah, and, and you know what's coming there, yeah. right? I mean, you understand what's coming yeah. there. So. I mean, tough as nails that Daniel Jones playing through those injuries like that. I'm going to tell you right now, don't give him a check mark. Give him a scissors. Cut him. <laughs> Cut him. Hey, li- <laughs> keyword being liability. Cut and paste. Or- uh, no, I don't know about that, man. I'm just saying, if Colt McCoy was out there, that game could go on maybe a little differently. Imagine saying that. Imagine saying that in a sentence. If Colt McCoy was out there, they might have had a chance. That goes to show you right now where Daniel Jones is at. But we'll break that down later. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to exert myself right now. We'll save for that for later. My biggest takeaway from last night's game as we jump all over the place is just I, I, have, a, I have this thing with Lamar Jackson where it's like I don't know what to say about him mm-hmm. at times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's electric, man, with his feet. We knew that. We know that. He's a tremendous athlete. And and you know what's amazing? If you really do, like, I don't sit here and watch a lot of Baltimore games or, you know, folks that watch the Ravens a bunch maybe on Sunday afternoons might be flipping back and forth or seeing a lot of red zone. And that's not what we do on Sundays because we're usually at the Jags game. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's what you yeah. do. Yeah. So I don't see that. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't usually see as much as actually, you know, I'll see highlights and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't just usually watch front to back like Ravens games unless they're in prime time. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you know, obviously earlier this year, I mean, it's been a struggle this year for Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's yeah. been something off, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it seemed like he said, hey, you know what? It's win time. I don't care about the pocket anymore, right? Yeah. He kind of said that last night. But when he, like, he'll go on like a third and four play and you're going to pick up the first down and forget about the slide. It's like, I know I can beat you because I'm about to accelerate. It's almost like he's saying that to a defender, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, much like Patrick Mahomes will do with his arm. It feels like Lamar Jackson's doing with his legs. But then, like, at, at a time in that game, he was, like, four for seven passing for, like, 20-something yards. Mm-hmm. And some of the throws are just, like, right there, like, cringeworthy throws. And then he'll drop one in the bucket, right, to, to Hollywood last week in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. And, and, and to, in fairness, some of the drop passes by Well, I mean, he had three drop passes, yeah, yeah. so they weren't really helping Lamar either. But he just throws some. It's like, ugh, you know, run more. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and then you go to the end of the game, though. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you can't really, you're not going to run much. You're going to just throw it and boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. But the biggest takeaway from, so I have a, it's like a, he's a, he's an interesting guy because like I, I, I want to fall in love with him, but then I'm like, I don't know, long term and mm-hmm. whatever. He, but he's magical in that sense. And he comes up big yesterday, but it was the post game for me. How much they love mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, how much they believe. In Lamar Jackson, even though I think he does have deficiencies throwing the football at times. And I think they probably see that, too. But, man, when you hit, what is that button you used to hit, like the X button to, to accelerate? I mean, uh, what, yeah, what, yeah, do you, what do we do now? What do we hit now? What's a PS5? R2? R2? Coos, I haven't played Madden in, like, ten years. Is R2 the You don't know either. You don't play Madden. I don't, I don't know. What's the acceleration I mean, button guys, in Fortnite? Guys, I don't know. No, it's usually it's R2, R2, the trigger. R2, yeah. R2, R2. R2. Yeah. R2. Well, you hit R2, and then it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry um, we, I'm sorry we let you down there. Uh, that was a major letdown. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like we disappointed you. You talk about Xboxs and PS5 all the time. And you don't play Madden at nah, all? No, we don't like, play all Madden. All the guys play Madden. Players play Madden, that's don't they? That's because it's free for them, I'm sure. I'm not dropping 70 bucks a year to play the same game over and over again. Come on, I got better sense than that.
Right, Coos? On that note, I've actually noticed I think Ty's a little bit away from the Fortnite and everything else. He's on to the Madden and sports games now mm. with his buddies. Is, is yeah, Fortnite, yeah. Has Fortnite lost a step? I mean, I, I guess I, so. I don't know. Fortnite? I feel like more people are playing it, so I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Call of Duty is still king, though, yeah, or not? Well, they're, yeah, they're yeah. about to, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just curious. Good deal. Yep. Uh, but, but, um, anyway. yeah, so getting so back. they love Lamar Jackson, man. Yeah, yeah, getting back, you know, to the Ravens game last night. Listen, I was very adamant when I said that after that Cowboys game, the Ravens showed a wrinkle. And they showed that when they're in must-win mode, they put the ball on Lamar Jackson's legs, right? And you saw it again last night. Ran for over 100 yards, rushing, I think, like on eight or nine carries. I mean, it was just tearing apart the Cleveland Browns' defense. And that's where they're at right now. Like, you know, I understand trying to make Lamar Jackson a pocket passer. I'm sure he would love to do that. Um, I think he's kind of stubborn in that way a little bit. But you got to understand when the game is on the line and playoffs are on the line, you do what you do well. And Lamar Jackson can run the ball better than anybody at the quarterback position and better than a lot of running backs out there. And you saw it last night. So I think we're going to see more doses of this, obviously, more doses of J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and a little sprinkle of Mark Ingram every once in a while. But this is a running football team. This is a a physical running football team. And listen, I see that offense right now. And respect to the Browns, right? The Browns played the Ravens um, the first time, got curb stomped. This time was a lot better showing. Um, you know, the Browns were kind of scoring at will uh, as well, and it's kind of crazy because Baltimore is known for their defense. Well, giving up 42 points, you're not known for that. So with that being said, um, you know, props to Cleveland, but Baltimore, the way they're running the ball right now, you got to like that going in the playoffs. Now, Lamar's got obviously got to stay healthy. He's got to obviously take his Metamucil or whatever is going on there because he might have had some indigestion issues, let's just call it. But it was a big, big win for the Baltimore Ravens. We what what did happen there? Do you think? Where do you side? Well, he says that it was, that was cramps. I know that's what he said. Yeah. Well, okay. But they said cramps right away, and they were consistent with that. I mean, would he be that embarrassed to say, "Yeah, man, I had a stomachache"? I, I mean, I, I had mean, to go to the bathroom. Or, I mean, is that really that? I mean, I understand we're in a world of memes. Are they that yeah, aware well, of memes and all that stuff? I mean, well, everybody well, was Brent, talking about it anyway. Well, Brent, in a in a world of memes, sometimes saying that you have to go to the bathroom like that, and you probably put it a little more eloquently, that can hurt the brand. So I wouldn't put it past him. Last time I checked, though, and I checked about two hours ago, it was 32 degrees in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay? Now, how someone can get cramps in 30-something degree weather is beyond me. I understand you ran for 100 yards. I get that. You're a finely tuned athletic machine. I assume you had some Pedialytes or at least some bottled water in that locker room prior to the kickoff. How do you cramp up in 30-degree weather? Leads me to believe that it was something else at play here, Brent. And that something else is when nature calls sometimes. That something else is, you know, when you when, when you got to go, you got to go. And I think Lamar Jackson had to go. I just don't understand why you have to hide it. Branding, I just said, man. I Branding. Mean, again, that, that, yeah. that in tune. We are that in tune with um, what... Again, like what social media would say, what the brand would say, what you mm-hmm. probably could make a lot of money if you had, just said you had to go to the bathroom more so when you got cramps. I mean, uh, th- th- you're probably going to get elevated a little bit more by the bathroom commentary. Who goes to the locker room for cramps? Uh, IVs. I, I mean, you think they're giving them an IV? I, I just he you know, said that he said it was it. an IV. Okay, it was yeah. an IV. I guess, man. But once again, like I don't know how long IVs take to. I mean, I've had IVs for every single game. 
they take maybe five minutes, you know, ten minutes at the most. Yeah. And like I don't know, it was it was a weird situation but going not only on. That, it was so well, weird that he came out exactly came out of the locker room exactly the time McSorley got hurt. Well, like, it begs the question: perfect. What was, was the plan going to be? Was he waiting in the tunnel? I have no idea, man. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> it was kind of bizarre. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, a lot of people talking today, like, hey, Cleveland's for real. You know, that's a, that's not a bad loss by Cleveland. You know, they closed the gap a little bit. It's funny because we talk about no moral victories and all this stuff. I, I do feel like Cleveland kind of gained everybody's respect last night. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you wonder who they are at times. Baker, I thought, was money and in a big spot. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you can see they've got the goods. I'll tell you this. I, I really I'm impressed with Stefanski because in that last drive when they needed stuff or even earlier when they needed to come back or on the fourth down play, they just dialed up stuff that like I don't know if it showed this creative mind but it showed a feel for the right call at the right time Mm. and now listen everybody was calling the right plays because there wasn't much defense in that game but it just i I was impressed with how they called the game uh they should be better on defense based on the fact of some of their name talent on defense i think but uh I was impressed with Cleveland, and you're not supposed to say that in the NFL, but these are big moments for franchises like Cleveland. Listen, Jacksonville's one of those franchises. The Bills are one of those franchises. I mean, you have to go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams, teams that are hardened Mm -hmm. on primetime games in December. That was a big moment. I don't know what it means for Cleveland, but it did feel kind of like a big moment for them. I think it shows two things for Cleveland. Number one, it shows confidence because you went toe-to-toe with a with a team that seems to be surging a little bit right now, so that gives you confidence. And it also gives you confidence from your first showing against that team. Um, it's world's better. So it goes to show you the, the coaching staff that's been put in place, yeah. the way they're doing things, the culture. It's working. Like, it's... All show, you know, all signs show that it's working right now, and I think that if you're a Browns player, you got to like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I looked at it. It's the Jags, right? The Jags won or lost 33 to 30 to the Titans first time around. They mm-hmm. had Minshew start in that game, you know, and, and their defense didn't play any great shakes that game. Uh, but they did kind of hold Derek hold Derrick Henry in check. Mm-hmm. Now, since then, they're depleted a little bit more. They got a lot more young guys. But if you look at their team, they've been playing pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. It was four out of five weeks, I think it was, that they had lost four points or less, and then. Kind of the floodgates opened on him the other day. I, so I don't know if that was a, a measuring stick game to say, hey, the Jags are a lot worse than they were back in September. Because quite frankly, they, they, they were worse, like for a three game stretch against Miami, Houston, Detroit, than they really have been the last five or six weeks combined. Mm. So it's an interesting deal in the NFL to measure it that way. So did they close the gap? Were they amped up because it was at home? Did this situation benefit them? Because listen, there still have guys in Baltimore coming off COVID, uh, you know, guys like Calais aren't playing at 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is interesting to see, it, are those true measuring stick games? But I would imagine Cleveland will utilize it that way. No, without a doubt, you have to utilize it that way. I think you have a Cleveland Browns team right now that's really starting to find their identity um, and, and gel and play together, right? I mean, you, we forget that probably their best receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. has been out for this season. So then I enter Rashad Higgins. Now, yeah, Rashad Higgins, yeah, I think he had one or two drops, yeah. but he had some big play, big plays for the Browns, right? And obviously, they still have a really stingy running game with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So there's a lot of things to like with that team, but it goes to show you – and I'm reminded of that Philadelphia Eagles team way back in the day. They called them the Dream Team because they had all those defenders. They spent max deals on everybody. They called them the Dream Team. Well, you could put all these great players together, but sometimes it doesn't work. You still need that architect. You still need that mesh to be like, hey, guys, yes, we have talent on paper, but can we play together? And I think right now you have a Cleveland Browns team led by Baker Mayfield who's finally starting to play together. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about what the Jaguars will look like on offense in 2021. I want to get to that in uh, in a little bit. How about this story out of Detroit? Did you see it? Uh, where the Lions have hired uh, Chris Spielman to uh, join the organization as a special assistant to chairman and president and CEO. In addition, Lions announced that Fritz Pollard Alliance Foundation Executive Director, wow, that's a big title, mm. uh, Rod Graves, Rock Ventures Vice President of Business Development Mark Hollis, and Hall of Fame running back Barry Sanders will serve as advisors to the team's search for a GM and head coach. So this is interesting because Spielman's not being hired as a GM or a coach. Mm. He's being hired as an advisor. And I think this is fascinating because we never talked about this. But you showed me a text oh, yeah. uh, a couple oh. weeks ago, right? And doesn't <laughs> yeah, this speak to that, that text? Because it sounded like the Lions were, were were looking almost as like a survey from alums, team players that had played there, kind of opening their doors and, and feedback of, hey, how do you think we can fix this? Do you have any ideas? Yeah. And then a couple weeks later, after you got a text because you played for the Lions, uh, Chris Spielman joins the organization. Barry Sanders joins the organization in a role. Yeah. It's kind of a fascinating look. Are they grasping at straws? Well, Is this a good idea to, to kind of get former player input and, and put players, former players that know the organization well yeah. uh, in, uh, I, I don't know if these are supreme power positions, but they're at least advisory roles. Man, I think I lost that text, but I think I deleted it, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, How did you delete that text? I mean, it's someplace in the archives, man, but uh, I'll find I it think later. you sent it to me. I'll find oh, it. Oh, yeah, you can find it then. But um, so listen. I'm not going to grill the Jacksonville Jaguars for this, but I am going to give the Detroit Lions their um, just-deserved props for this because it's something that stood out to me a lot. I've tweeted about this before. Um, I've shared this with people before. But keep in mind with the Detroit Lions, I was there for about four weeks, okay? Essentially a cup of coffee. I was in and I was out just for one year. But no other team that I played on has done such a great job in staying in contact with me, um, you know, like the representatives, whether it's former players, whether it's office personnel, they all know my wife's name. They know my son's name. They always ask, hey, how's Cody Ronan doing? Like, I don't know if they write that down, if it's in a database, but like at least probably maybe once every three or four months, I get a call. And then they're just checking in on me and saying, hey, if you're ever in town, if you're ever in Detroit, give us a holler. You know, when this COVID-19 stuff um, wraps up, we'll have to get you a game, you know, get a box or anything like that. Like, that's that's how the that's and, that, and this isn't just me, because keep in mind, this is like a four-week thing that I was in Detroit. But they did this with everybody. And it goes to show you just how tight-knit um, not only the current players, but the, the, the former players are as well. So, yeah, I got a text message probably now a month ago, I would say asking if I had any ideas, any suggestions, any thoughts about, you know, where the line should go going forward. Because, you know, they obviously said we take great pride in our football team. We we want to go to a winning tradition, and we want to get your thoughts on it. So there's something that text message. Now, I didn't share anything, right? I mean, only thing I would have said was, yeah, Austin and Brent Martin will co-GMs. Let's go. Let's what, are, what are you waiting for? Here's the text, by yeah. the way, you got. Good evening. The Detroit Lions are committed to redirecting the organization and have decided to make changes moving forward. I look forward to seeing a competitive team in the near future. Please feel free to call or text with suggestions. That's it. Simple. Yeah. I mean, nothing. All the best to you and the family. But mm-hmm. it was really wild. That's a wild thing. I, I think I don't know if that's a common thing, but it seems like a really wild thing to... And for again, you just characterize it. I mean, you were with the team for what? Four weeks? Four weeks. But you also have just shown a track record that they keep in touch and they... Oh, all the time. 
Wow. All the time. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, probably once every two or three months they give me a call, and, they, and it's like a different person every time. Here's what's interesting, okay? Mm-hmm. That is a sign of what I would consider. Like, if you told me, don't take, take all the names out mm-hmm. of who it was, and you said, hey, Brent, guess what? This team does this. They really do a great job yeah. of keeping in touch. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there for four weeks. They keep in touch. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, all right, I'm going to guess. I might be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. You know, I say, hey, maybe that's the New England Patriots. Yeah. Really pay attention to detail. Maybe the Chiefs, you know, you know Andy Reid. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe the history of the Raiders, even though they sure. haven't been good. But, the, you know, they talk about that Napa Valley thing. Mm-hmm. I would not think an organization that has been as bad as the Detroit Lions have been yeah. would be... We'd be talking about them like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that they do that, yet it doesn't necessarily you know, lead to success. It shows you how hard it is to win because it seems like they're doing things the right way. Yeah. But then on top of that, what I think that text to you was very interesting because weeks later, they hire former players within the organization yeah. to at least be part of moving forward in the process. Yeah. The question is, can it help? Will it help? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it hurts, right? I mean, it helps to get a player's perspective. Now, these players aren't in like the GM position, which is probably for the best, but the, but they're helping, I guess, like turn over a new leap, right? They're, they're kind of like the bridge guys in terms of the front office. I think it's a great idea. And listen, I've been very adamant. Like, I spent a lot of time with the Bears, a couple years. I spent a lot of time with the Jaguars. Spent uh, some time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of all the teams that I played for, the team that I spent the least amount of time with keeps keeps in touch with me the most. It's, it's insane. That's yeah. really wild. Uh, by the way, people have talked about Tony Baselli as a GM or uh, in the past maybe as an assistant coach, uh, offensive line coach. You know, that's a role that I almost feel. I don't know what Tony's title is. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's a broadcaster, but I don't know exactly. But remember when they were doing like those season ticket caravans? Like he was very big in that. Mm-hmm. So he, he almost feels like he's been a part of the organization in that sense before. Yeah. Maybe not this kind of role. Yeah. But makes you wonder if, if that's a role that, that could be a adapted even here in Jacksonville. Real quick, I wanted to think of this question before we go to break here. So the lines, right? I just said what they do. They get in contact with you. They stay in touch. It's almost like college, right? Like when they're asking for some money and stuff like that. It is. Like they stay in touch. But like, is there merit to that? Like, is there merit to kind of having that pride, having that tradition where the guys come back and everything like that? Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I do think so. I think it'll pay off in spades when they win. But I I just find it ironic that they haven't been able to win and they do things like that very next level, uh, I believe. So, hey, uh, who do you want the Jaguars' 2021 offense to look like? Had a couple options. Didn't get to this yesterday. Uh, We had so much Urban Meyer talk. (laughs) But um, what would you like to see here in Jacksonville? I got a few options out there. It's next on the ESPN 690. Austin Lane. I want you to put yourself in Leonard Fournette's shoes. Probably a little bigger shoes than you're rocking right now. Huh? Shocker, you're wearing sandals, and that's all good, though. Brent Martineau. Well, you, you are, too. Mar- they're just like, <laughs> I mean, they're just like, look I like might as well be. I might as well be. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Just to clarify, you, you didn't have to use the bathroom or anything in the back, right? You know, there was a lot of talk on social media that you were kind of like jogging, like you had to use the bathroom or something. I was cramping. I ain't putting Paul Pierce. I didn't put Paul Pierce. I, I was cramping. Lamar Jackson. Yes. No Paul Pierce. Nope. <laughs> I love that the onslaught of social media yeah. prompts questions like, did you go to the bathroom while you're in the locker room? You got to ask, man, because that video that... uh was getting shared around, was doing him zero favors. 
I just I find it so funny that it's a thing, and I don't understand how you would not uh, how you would not um just say it yeah. <laughs> if if it was the case. I, I that's a that's an odd thing to cover up if yeah. uh, if if that's the case. But anyway, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens win. Now they're right in the middle of this thing. They still are, and so we're going to talk to Calais Campbell a little bit later on in the show. No, I've already talked to him, but. Uh, we'll have that interview for you as he plays against the Jags. Uh, a little mention about Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, listen, Calais ain't holding back now. No. Nope. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's playing on a big game. Oh, yeah. Against the Jags. He's just really getting back to health with COVID. He was tested positive and then also a calf injury that slowed him. So mm-hmm. that is coming up in, in just a bit. It was a topic I wanted to get to yesterday. I, we didn't. I put a poll question out there, uh, maybe sometime yesterday. If you could shape the 2021 Jaguars offense around an offense right now in the NFL, Mm -hmm. basically that we're seeing, I think, like kind of on the rise, right? You know, my the thought of this is not, yeah, I want Kansas City's offense. Okay, everybody does. Mm -hmm. You know, I get it. But it's not it's also like you're not going to have Baltimore's offense. You don't have Lamar Jackson. Not going to make much of that. You're also not going to have like New Orleans offense because you don't have Drew Brees, who's 40 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that caliber of guy. So what I'm more looking at is the offenses that we're seeing play pretty well. Mm-hmm. And not everyone's relating to wins, wins, wins. But the Buffalo Bills have obviously developed Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. The day Bowl is going to be a candidate. Whether he gets a job or not, I don't know. But he's going to be a candidate in places because of what he's done, his background, everything else. He looks like they're on the same page. And it, again, it looks like they are getting better. Started the year on fire, dipped down a little bit, but now at, at the right time, getting back up and going again. Mm-hmm. And they've got a young man who, who obviously has a rifle as an arm. But other than that, was very raw, very raw. And some people, like Jay Lorenzi, thought he was trash. Mm-hmm. So look where he is now. <laughs> he's in the actual NFL MVP running, mm-hmm. probably. He's not going to win it, but he's in those conversations. So you have that. You have a team like the Tennessee Titans that were just out here on Sunday, and everybody's like, well, you can't be the Titans. You don't have Derrick Henry. Well, stop the car now. You get James Robinson, who's third in the league in rushing. Mm-hmm. I know he's not Derrick Henry, but I don't think that's comparing, like, you can run the football, whether it's Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, whether it's Derrick Henry with James Robinson, whether it's Dalvin Cook. You can still run the football. That's what Tennessee tries to do. This isn't like saying, hey, try to be Baltimore and go get the next – uh, Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. They're not making that. You can still run. So I think what the Titans have done and Arthur Smith has done with Tannehill and with a weaponry that looks like just it's okay. Like I don't get all excited about it. You know, Buffalo's a little different. You got Stephon Diggs, who's a prime time player. But stud. Corey Davis is coming on. You know, yeah. uh AJ Brown's a stud, but he's been very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offensive line is good, but you know what? I think the Jags' offensive line is pretty good. So they probably better use their tight ends, but that's my point. Do you want like an Arthur Smith guy running your offense and that style of offense? And then the other one I put out there was the Carolina Panthers. And the reason I put the Panthers is because they have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who not many people believe long-term they get excited about. Yeah. They've, they've been without Christian McCaffrey. They mm-hmm. have Mike Davis now running the football, and they've been able to still do very well. He's had to adapt. And Joe Brady, by the way, comes in as this ballyhooed young gun offensive mind, much like McVay. So I think you have three different offenses there. And, you know, listen, they scored 27 points the other day against Denver. Uh, so they scored okay. They still won a lot of football games. But 
if you took the styles, the coordinators, maybe the I'd like my quarterback to be like that, mm-hmm. where would you go? Out of those three, and if there's somebody else that comes to mind, that's okay, too. So you're saying the Titans, Panthers, and who's the other team? Buffalo. Buffalo. Oh, I mean, to me, the the answer hands down is the Tennessee Titans. It's simple because, you know, the Panthers, while they could be a little intriguing, like they're still in the bottom half of team offense in the NFL. And I think that when you look at what Derrick Henry does in the Tennessee Titans, yes, there are no other Derrick Henrys in the NFL right now. But you can replicate what he does. Like, for instance, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, their offense is pretty good. I mean, Kyler Murray, we'll talk about him later. But they have Kenyon Drake, right? They have other guys. They have really Kyler Murray who can run the ball as well. I mean, the the Cardinals are just a few yards away from tying the, the Titans right now in terms of yards per game on the ground. So there's different ways to replicate replicate that you don't just need derrick henry if you have a few guys that can do it like a russian quarterback or a james robinson then you're good to go and i think that when you have to pass the ball when you have an aj brown and you have a Corey davis who's finally coming on um in his last year but let's be honest i don't i'm not sure if they're going to re-sign Corey davis even i mean they might franchise yeah, take him, contract but year for him. he could he, you know he could be done and then you have john U. smith who you know when he's healthy when he's out there um is a pretty dang good tight end and like you said you have an offensive line who is comparable to jacksonville jaguars so to me to have the success of the tennessee titans you're not that far away now yes once again you don't have Derek henry let's be honest james robinson's intriguing like, you like James Robinson right now, over a 1,000 yards his rookie year. One could assume if he stays healthy, it's only going to get better. And keep him out with James Robinson, too. I think you can use him a lot more than you use Derrick Henry in the pass game. And sometimes that could be a giant X factor as well. So you have the running back spot, you know, taken care of. You have DJ Chark. Now, would you rather take DJ Chark or A.J. Brown right now? I mean, it's hard to say, right, because A.J. Brown's got the numbers, He's in the better offense. I think A.J. Brown's a tough matchup. You know, mm-hmm. he's so big and, mm-hmm. you know, broad yeah. that I like. I, I I would probably, I think most people would say I'll take A.J. Brown. I like the physicality of him. That's something you can't duplicate. I could probably get another guy with the style of D.J. Chark. Sure. So probably AJ I, Brown. I think that's. The truth test is probably there. I mean, okay. it's not by a landslide. Okay, though. that's yeah, my it's point. So, like, I mean, are you, you have a guy that you like in Jacksonville. Correct. That's the point. Like, they like him. Yeah. Jags have a guy or two that they like. Yeah, and if we're being honest, too, but I they're mean, also not Julio Jones. Neither one. No, of them, without you know? a doubt. And, and to be honest, like, I understand they got Humphreys. Um, I think he was hurt though, and then they got Corey Davis. But like, I'm not opposed to the Jacksonville Jaguars receiving core. Right, like Callum Johnson's coming on. You got LaVisca Chanel, who could be something special going forward. You got DJ Chark. You have Keelan Cole if they bring him back. So, like, you have some interesting pieces there. And it's not like the Titans receiving core knocks your socks off. No. It's just the fact that they, they know how to balance it. They know how to play complementary football. You set it up with Derrick Henry, and then you set up the play action, and you throw it downfield. It's as simple as that. Like It's not like Sean McVay coming in and running this, what is this? Like It's not like Kingsbury coming in and running this whole, well, this revolutionary offense or this revolutionary quarterback. Not at all, man. It's the meat and potatoes, what, what the Tennessee Titans are doing. And guess what? The meat and potatoes right now? It's working. Yeah, and I, I kind of look at Buffalo in that sense, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think Buffalo wows you with personnel. I mean, listen, he's playing well. Mm-hmm. You know, Diggs is very good. Now, we don't have Diggs here in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, I think he leads the league right now in receptions, if I'm not he mistaken. He does. He's got 100. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we don't have that guy. Uh, but, I mean, does anybody else? Like, tight ends are okay, right? I mean, nothing... 
Good, their backs are okay. Nothing like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's my point of the conversation. It's like I'm looking at personnel. It's like you can't match Kansas City's personnel. You can't really match Tampa's personnel. No. Uh, you probably right now it's too hard to even say you match like um, Seattle's personnel, even though you could maybe run your offense like Seattle. Yeah, but you don't but, got a DK Metcalf well, or even really a Tyler Wilson. Lockett. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's really like you can't. It's hard to say over the years, right, you'd run Philadelphia's offense because you don't have four, three tight ends, mm-hmm. you know, that you're going to be really lean on. So I think it's interesting to go to those teams. And the Panthers are more interesting, not necessarily because of the personnel, but I think because you have this young gun guy and Joe Brady. Like, is he good? Do you believe in him? Like, would you would you buy into that? Like, is that the guy you want, the hype guy? Or these low-key guys like Arthur Smith and Dable who, you know, I don't. I don't think they're gonna be known for personality. Yeah. I think they're gonna slide under the radar. But they are getting the job done. Like you can make the case those guys. This is more to me like a Stefanski hire. Mm-hmm. Like Stefanski's making that work in in Cleveland, mm-hmm. right? And and he's he's clicking. Yeah. Well, that's a guy that if I had said last year, hey, the the Jags are firing Doug Marone, but they're gonna bring in Kevin Stefanski, you'd be like, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, how excited would you get? Yeah. Right? You'd, you'd be excited because there was a change. Yeah. But you wouldn't be like, whoa, yeah. Now, people would get excited about Brady because of what happened with LSU. And, and he's kind of, again, that young gun McVay kind of hot shot guy right now, mm-hmm. whether that plays out or not. But I do think the Bills and the Titans and, and even like the Browns are good examples because you can always have that personnel. None none of those teams have somebody. Like, they have something different. Derrick Henry's different. Yeah. You know, Stephon Diggs is different, and Josh Allen might be different. But even if you look at, you know, listen, Chubb's a good player. Landry is a good player, but he hasn't evolved into, like, again, Julio Jones or somebody like that. Not mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. So they have all this personnel that you could say in Jacksonville, well, we can match some of that kind of personnel. Now, we don't have this number one star wide out. We don't have this elite quarterback yet. But we have some of the pieces that look like that. And so that's why those comparisons kind of are what I'd be looking at if I'm the Jags yeah. moving forward into 2021. And, and when you break down some of these top offenses in the league, you know, you got the Green Bay Packers, Kansas City Chiefs, the Titans, um, you know, the Colts are up there, the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Ravens, the Bills. A lot of those teams all have one thing in common. And keep it, and, and like the, the prime example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? You got Godwin. You got Mike Evans. Um, you know, you had Antonio Brown. You had a pretty good running game. But, like, they were struggling for a while. Yeah. Do you know how they broke out of that funk? A tight end by the name of Rob Gronkowski, right? Like, all of a sudden, Gronkowski starts getting the ball, and all of a sudden, things start opening up a little more. And obviously, I can go to the, to the Green Bay Packers, Robert Tunyon. Now, would he be a great tight end anywhere else besides Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Who knows? But the fact is that they use the tight end position. And I think this has been a problem in Jacksonville now for how long? And with all due respect to Tyler Eifert and players like that, every once in a while you get a couple passes here or there, but he hasn't been a game record, right? Like he hasn't been featured in an offense. And I think you saw with the Tennessee Titans. Yes, Derrick Henry had a big day. Jeff Swain's still playing. Yeah. Had no idea. Didn't know Jeff Swain saw on the roster. They Welcome utilized. back to Jacksonville. They utilize the tight end position. Well, and by the way, I think you can throw the Colts in this kind of conversation as well because those Rivers is not. Even Breeze or Brady or 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 Rogers or yeah. Wilson, he's just not. Yeah. You know, especially at this stage. But he might not have been anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can match that quarterback play. Mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton could D.J. Chark be that guy? I mean, maybe. You know, they have a nice complement of receivers, but nobody that's like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to face these guys today. Yeah. You know, they obviously pile on the running game and they're getting that going more off. You know, there are teams 
Look how many teams are getting it done offensively with not the Chiefs kind of personnel. Once again, I mean, I'll say this. Like, I'm not, I don't know how good Ryan Tannehill really is, right? I know he's great on the, on the Titans. I know he's maybe a top 10 quarterback, maybe a top 8 quarterback on the Tennessee Titans. Now, I'm not sure how talented he is, but when, when you surround him with great talent in the running game and good receivers, you see what's possible. It's really got to get the right mind, the right fit, and obviously the right quarterback. I don't think the Jags are that far away offensively from being close to these kind of teams that we're talking about in production. Minus the Chiefs and the Bucks and probably the, the Seahawks. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think they're scoring 40 a game. Yeah. But I think they could easily average up over 25 a game. And if you do that, it gives you a chance to win. Just got to get some pieces on defense after that. Uh, we'll continue with the Jags talk. we got a question about Doug Marone coming up next on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, we've got to get him going. I mean, he's a good football player and, you know, he's, he's getting covered and we've got to look at ways to try to get him uncovered, you know. Um, and then when, you know, he does win, try to be able to get him the football. So I, I think it's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on. I think that, you know, obviously we all uh, want to play better as a group and you know, I'm sure DJ does. He works hard during the week and, you know, going into the game, you know, I think that when we went to him, there was some pretty good coverage on him and, uh, you know, we just got to keep working to get him open. You know, we've seen him, we've seen him when he's when he's healthy and he can go, and that's what we've got to get him back to because he's a guy that you know we need to make plays for us. And right now, we're not making enough plays. Hi, it's been a tough year for DJ Chark. That's Doug Marone talking about the Jags receiver Pro Bowl last year. I mean, listen, it's hard to play well when your quarterbacks are all over the place. You're hurt a little bit. But I do think there have been moments where DJ hasn't made a play or two. And when you're frustrated and sometimes the body language is like, it's been a very frustrating year for DJ Chark. And hopefully he bounces back in a big way in the last three games, but also next season. Uh, and, uh, you know, I will say this, like Allen Robinson, he's struggled a lot with, a bunch of different quarterbacks, but still puts up numbers, you know? Uh, maybe it's because they throw it to him more. I don't know, but he seems to make the plays. I still think entertaining the idea of bringing Allen Robinson back here is not the worst idea. Um, he's going to be a free agent. There's a there's four big free agents. The Jags need another pass catcher. Please do not get complacent at wide receiver because you think you have a couple of young guys that are pretty good. Do not do that, Jags. Yeah. Do not do that. Don't get complacent. You can't. And, uh, gosh, I'm afraid they might, but please well, don't. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you there, but also we need to focus on interior defensive linemen as well. well like, listen, I mean, you got a lot priority. of picks and you got a lot of money. Yeah, there's a lot of picks, but there's only a couple first, you know, round picks. There's only a couple second round picks. And you got to start asking yourself where the priorities are going to go. Are they going to go to the offense and making it more explosive? Or is it going to kind of go to that big hole right now in the boat of the interior defensive line and go towards there? Yeah. So I, we'll see. I think you can do both, but. You gotta, if you draft a young quarterback, you gotta set that guy up to be successful. And I think you have a real chance. Whoever's your quarterback next year has a chance to be the most successful of any QB they've put in a position to, to be, uh, in the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. David Garrard didn't have this much talent. He had Maurice Jones Drew. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mercedes Lewis for a year. Blaine Gabbert was not surrounded with good talent. Blake Bortles well, was surrounded with pretty good talent, but they were all young at the time. Now, they tried to find talent for Blaine, but obviously, you know, I mean. Just didn't work out. Well, yeah, guys got in trouble. I mean, I'm, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, true. With Blackman and <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Uh, and so even Minshew, had, I thought, was set up pretty nicely going into this year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And you look at the first couple of games, and they were. All right, we have Saqib hanging on the line. Let's get to him real quick. Hey, what's up, man? Happy holidays. What's up, boys? How we doing? I haven't talked to you guys in a while. I have kind of two parts 
thing to ask you guys. What do you guys think about the Adam Schefter thing about, you know, maybe um, the coach is going to come back? And I think that's, that's, that's a ridiculous thing. I hope he doesn't. I hope they all get fired. I wanted them to fire a long time ago. And what do you guys think, Austin Lang, you being a former player, would you want Byron Leftwich to head coach this team? Just kind of curious. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to see Byron Leftwich, even though I, di- I didn't like him as a player. I thought he was a bust. But I would love to see Byron Leftwich back in Jacksonville. What do you guys think? All right. Great. Thanks, man. So, Appreciate it, Skeeb. Happy holidays. Uh, go answer uh, Byron well, Leftwich first. Any. Obviously, with the, with Tampa, he's he's looked at as a rising star, but you, I feel like we're hearing his name less in this new this cycle yeah. than we did a year ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, in terms of coming back home, essentially, I mean, what kind of effect would that have with the guys in the locker room? I mean, when you have the youngest team in the NFL, not a lot of those guys remember Byron Leftwich playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's be honest; I'm sure a lot of them don't. No, so, gosh, you wouldn't even know. We'd have yeah. to tell them. They have, have no idea right? so, that he played for the Jags. No, so so there is that. Um, I think from the fans' perspective, you know, it, it could be interesting. And like you said, I mean, he is he has been a rising name now when he was in Arizona and now in Tampa Bay. Um, he and it's crazy how that works out, though, right? It's crazy how. He was that hot name, and now he's kind of dwindled just because of one year of Tom Brady. You know, like, I think he's a great coach. Would I trust him as a head coach? Not sure. I think offensive coordinator would be very intriguing, but obviously I'm not sure if you make the move to Jacksonville on a stagnant move. So I'd probably pump the brakes right now in a head coaching role for Byron Leftwich. But as an offensive coordinator, I think it's intriguing. Well, yeah, and that's kind of where he's at, though, right? I no, mean, that's what I'm saying. So, he's not going to go. Yeah, so you said he's going to be. Yeah, that's a very lateral move. Yeah. I, I, here's my one issue I would have with Byron Leftwich. I need someone in Jacksonville that's going to build my culture. Mm-hmm. That's going to have a winning culture. That's going. I know you're the man, strong personality guy. And I don't know Byron because I, I wasn't here for for Byron, but. I don't see him. I don't know if I see him that way. The way I see maybe like even a Robert Sala or uh, the other side of it is, okay, why would I be interested in Dable then and, and Arthur Smith but not be interested in Leftwich? And, mm-hmm. and that's a fair question. Like I think all those guys all probably fit in the same mold of, okay, who do you want? The difference is right now for us, and we ride the momentum a little bit. Yeah. Like you said, last year the cycle said Leftwich was a candidate, rising star. We're not hearing that as much. Now you hear Dable. Now you hear Arthur Smith. Now you continue to hear Joe Brady. You hear yeah. those names instead from the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about Josh McDaniels anymore, or is he gone now? I think McDaniels will okay, always be in play, there. but I think the people are hesitant because of what happened in Indy. Yeah. Right? Yep, no, for sure. So I, I get the whole culture thing and what Saki was trying to say because, listen, he, the guy played in Jacksonville, so he kind of gets it a little bit. But at the end of the day, to me, like playing for a team then coming back and building the culture, that doesn't really mean that much. Because, like, look at John Lynch. John Lynch didn't take one rep of the 49ers. Now, he's the GM. It's a different position. But he's the GM of the 49ers, takes these draft picks to kind of fit his style, fit his mold. He's having some success. And by the way, Saqib, I know we didn't answer your question in length, but it's simple. <laughs> no, Doug Marone will not survive no, this season. No, absolutely not. He will not. Don't buy into the rumors. We'll be back. Jason Fitz on ESPN 690 next.